Welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review, is kind of how Riggs does it. And we've distilled the Bad Dads down to just two tonight. It's Pete, hello. Hello. And myself, Sidey. Yeah, it's weird. I've never done, this is my first ever twosome. Yeah. Normally there are at least one or two other guys in the room when we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's strange. I All I've thought about all day is how much of a great opportunity it is to slag the other bad dads off whilst they're not here behind their back. Yeah, so Riggs is absent because it's his daughter's, his youngest's birthday today, this very day. So they're doing like family stuff. And Dan has some urgent schoolwork to do for college tomorrow that couldn't possibly have been done at the weekend. And and that he's currently doing, <laughs> bizarrely, dressed as a bear, yeah. which is an absolutely true story. It's a true we, fact. He popped into the man cave just before, dressed as a bear. And it's I think it's because he works for the zoo. And so... He has to dress up as an animal whenever he's doing coursework. It gets him in that frame in the of mind. zone, yeah. So we've got the football on, just to put you at ease. We've got England-Germany on. We've got beer. Mm. And we've got snacks. Yeah, we do. So that's yeah. good. Did you watch anything on the television this week? I have been watching stuff. What I've watched mostly on the television, though, is my... I've, it's actually my youngest son's birthday tomorrow, but his birthday is 10 days after another one of my children's, and he <laughs> got a Nintendo Switch. Oh, nice. So I've been pummeling Super Mario. Basically, it's now my Nintendo Odyssey. Switch. No, this is the Super Mario Bros. U something or other. It's like platform. I know proper, what you mean, my, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's great for JJ. He's uh, This is his first ever like platform game, and he's getting good. So he's like rushing home from school to like try and find secret <laughs> exits out of uh, levels Chris. and stuff like that. Uh, it's got a it's got a Super Mario three vibe about it, or the one with Yoshi, the first one with like Yoshi, and you could get him Super in Super Mario stuff. World. That one, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is, is that it? one. Yeah, very Super Mario the World. The first SNES one. I've got Super Mario Odyssey. It's fucking excellent. So I'll send that your way if you want. Great, we can we can get into that. In terms of watching things other than homework, I've been I've got back into no sorry, this uh, it's been a little while since I've been on the podcast because I've basically turned into a professional crossfitter since then, <laughs> so I don't have as much time for shenanigans, but I've finished off Better Call Saul, which is great, and watched some other stuff. I, I, I'm i really, I'm going to have to concede that I'm really losing patience with the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you, you're pretty much right. It's almost like you were calling it before it was became unbearable, so... Yeah, so that's the only thing other than the homework that I've watched this week. I think maybe, actually, that's not true, maybe, maybe one or two... Cobra Kai's, but even Cobra Kai, like this, the the charm and the nostalgia is just getting a little bit long in the tooth now, and I'm I'm sort of only just still enjoying it. But Rings of Power, I would say actually, that Rings of Power for me has got a, like marginally better. Well, so, I haven't seen the latest episode, so for, I've gone for about a three out of ten to maybe a five out of ten. <laughs> okay, I'm but still get agitated when they show me the map. I'm like, fuck off with these maps. Fuck yeah, yeah. Hell. No, I, that's that's all, that started grating on me. I'm hoping it's gonna because we kind of know what's going to happen yeah and that surely is going to be really fucking epic there's going to be like sauron and all these rings and all of that sort of shit so i'm i'm kind of like trying to keep with it so that i get to see that i've been watching the sixth season of animal kingdom which is i think the thing that my missus and i have enjoyed the most together what's that i've mentioned it before on here it's kind of there's no one you've really heard of in it but it's it's basically the premise is a lad has a mum, she's a junkie, she dies, he's got nobody else, doesn't know who his dad is, and this woman comes around and says, look, I'm your grandmother, you're coming with me now after the mum has died. 
and he finds out that he's part of this basically like this crime family who live like somewhere near San Diego or something right. and they kind of like rule the roost they're like a like a yeah like a crime family and he gets into that and this is like his journey through the to almost become like the head of the family and so on it's kind of yeah it's it's it's, right. it's, it's peaked yeah. but it's still still enjoyable and I can't think of anything else that I've watched this but oh I watched Scandi Flick Oh, so yeah. did I. Yeah. There yeah. was a couple of like obvious, actually, the, the, like the, the crash. It's the not a contrived element of it. It's, it's bollocks. It's, I, I it can is, barely too far tolerate out. it. But I, I couldn't even work out if the if falling into the ice was contrived because at first I was like, oh, that's, like, that must have been a genuine thing. But then they've got this elaborate plan of how to get out of it. So I'm like, oh, that's staged then. But the I crash think- in the tunnel was like full on. Yeah, and and all the other stuff like rocking up, then like park up, and then they're in the like the middle of a ski slope and so There's still bits that I was pissing myself laughing at. Mostly, um, I just watch it and think, God, I wish I could do like exactly. adventures yeah, and yeah, have yeah. a fun well, that, life. That's the I think that's the next kind of like level for the bad dads is to. Well, we've got yeah. nearly we saved nearly four hundred pounds into our. Well, this is it. We vault. need to start, you know, just like spunking that budget on, <laughs> on elaborate <laughs> journeys around like I think tundra. if we if we charge if people had paid us a pound for every download we'd ever had, we'd we would we money. would we would be able to do something fun. We'd have a budget, but we haven't done that, and so yeah. we, we don't. Although have cars are expensive, because when I went away for a wedding and lost the key, <laughs> key for a, the hire car, it's cost me the thick end of two thousand pounds. Well done. Yeah. We did a top five last week, which was about hitchhikers, mm. and we collectively put in hours and stevie robinson's seven minute abs guy from something about mary went in and to complete the top five because we did have some other ones which we mentioned breachy's hitcher is going in because she nominated it with the poster and it does look tremendous so that is going to complete last week's top five excellent right we mentioned during our review of team america which you should check out if you've not already, that this is a themed week. This is a puppet-themed week. And so mm. that is going to be our top five. Yes, it is. Do you want to crack on with it? Okay, let's get into it. I Let's kick... I don't think there's a better place to start, really, than the Muppets. Mm. And I know the Muppets have been mentioned on this pod in the past, but we've never really delved a great deal into, into them. But the film's themselves there's been eight feature length films i think might might have been a couple of like straight to video ones and so on but in terms of the films total box office of 450 million dollars i have got a list of the 10 highest grossing puppet films well i bet you a lot of them are muppet films they are number one the muppets number three muppets most wanted number four the muppets movie number seven muppet treasure island number nine muppets christmas carol but fucking that's the best one. That's maybe the best film, full stop. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the Muppets movie, that was the 2011 one. That's made $165 million. Yeah, so over a third of the total box office. Muppets of Christmas Carol, only $29 million. Yeah, I, get, I, don't know, I don't know if the Muppets were as prominent on a huge. world kind of... Because they're a kind of... British, I think they were large. They're a British American kind of hybrid, aren't they? Like Jim Henson's American, right? Yeah. And so, and all the Muppets have like American accents, some, but it tends to be like British actors, like Michael Caine in the in the in the Christmas Carol. My favourite Muppets film 
is Muppets Treasure Island. I haven't seen it. Oh, I fucking love that film. I really, really... Should have nominated it. Well, I should have, but I had to get down to see Team America. Yeah, Muppets uh, Treasure Island. Tim Curry, I think you might hate Tim Curry. No, I'm I'm okay. Well, Rocky Horror Picture Show is worth hating him for. But yeah, yeah, Tim Curry's in it. He's Long John Silver. It's really good. It's... uh, yeah, I, I love the story. There's some really fucking great cameos from like Billy Connolly and Jennifer Saunders. Yeah, the story. I mean, the, the thing I like, my favourite rhyming slang to use is is Muppet Basics. I like calling the toilet the Kermit, Kermit the Frog, Bog. Oh, yeah. So I refer to the toilet now constantly yeah. as the Kermit. But yeah, Muppets, there's the guy from Muppets Treasure Island, the main, it's like a child actor, which you'll hate, Kevin Bishop. And he's like basically died a death since then. So it was the final name in, yeah, even if you looked him up, I think you'd struggle to recognize him. But yeah, Muppets, specifically Muppets Treasure Island, I'd like to open with. We've got a thing about Dan hating the Muppets and he's not here to defend himself, but I think that was the, he was always been kind of anti-puppet, I think. Yeah, I remember the Fraggles were covered on the the children. So you hated that as well. I didn't like that. I thought Dan did like that one. I, I loved the Fraggles as a kid. I didn't like it. Oh, Apart okay. from there's an episode called Side Bottom Blues. Oh, okay. Which is named like my name. Yeah. Anyway. Right. But yeah, I think Dan's just generally anti-puppet and that's probably the real reason why he's dressed like a bear and studying inside now. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know quite what the criteria is going to be. So I'm going to I'm going to mention Empire Strikes Back and Yoda. So he's obviously not he's a he's a humanoid character, but clearly he is a puppet and so it's a henson thing so i don't know whether you were going to say you can't have that because it's not a puppet well i I, as i was doing my research for this i found that then the muppets are not they are i suppose they are recognized themselves as As like being puppets yeah but i wanted to talk about yoda because it's very clearly a puppet in the movie and yet it's still well to my mind much better than the CGI bollocks from the originals. So yeah. Originals from the the, the prequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he does yeah. all the like somersaulting and shit. The that was that was the point where I really like out. Yeah. hated the, yeah. the prequels when yeah. he was doing like all the and loads of people in the cinema was like were going nuts because like Yoda's doing all these flips and shit. And I was just like, this is fucking terrible. Yes, yeah, bollocks. Because he walked still walked in with like a cane. Yeah. He's like an clearly old man. decrepit old man. Like yeah. when so nine hundred years old, he says in when he's in Dagobah. Yeah, but that it really to me speaks to like the all the practical stuff of like real yeah. tangible things on the screen just look better and are better than CGI imitations. Well, and this this is where I got to in my because what I wanted to do is like stay true to the to the topic and and largely predominantly go for actual like puppets in film yeah but it was only you know when you when you look at it say star wars tons of yeah. puppet i mean jabba the hut is yeah. a puppet effectively salacious b crumb these kinds of guys yeah. like all the, the like the the freaky animals a lot of them you know things like et and so on like these are yeah i thought about et as like stellar like all time kind of thing and and they're puppets and they still kind of like hold up bizarrely even though it was yeah. just strange isn't it they don't, it just doesn't date that sort of technological advance when you're doing things with cgi yeah it dates really really quickly even you know more modern stuff than that yeah it doesn't stand the test of time but i think 
the the practical real life like i keep saying real life i don't mean yeah, yeah. what i mean is the tangible things that you can actually physically kind of see and you can see that people are interacting with something practical there yeah. at the time rather than a tennis ball and a stick yeah. well, the, just jurassic park yeah. like was like the first kind of jurassic park film it was like a lot of puppetry mm. involved in it jaws you know it's yeah, bruce you know, a lot yeah. of, anyway um, but but I'm not going to nominate as in my top five pick. I'm not going to pick Yoda, but I did think it was worth a conversation. Definitely. And Baby Yoda deserves a shout as well. well. Uh, yeah. And that was the link on. So they obviously had the CGI version in the prequels, but then when they came to Baby Yoda, I don't like saying Grogu because I just don't like that as a name. They went back to the practical effect of having him as a thing, a puppet, if you like. Indeedy. Now, I am a little bit gutted. The only reason I'm gutted Riggs isn't here, because other than that, he's insufferable. But (laughs) he is a big horror fan. And I imagine that he would have had quite a lot of shouts for horror-related puppets. And and I don't know many, if any, other than I have seen the original Child's Play film. Yeah, of course. And I remember watching it as a kid, and it... Fucking, and I don't do well with horrors. They they stay with me for a long time. I think that's what they're meant to do, and they, they have the desired effect. <laughs> and I remember Child's Play just being fucking, because then what that did is opened up the possibilities. I mean, I, I must have been still, uh, I think it was 88 or something like that, 1988. I'd have been 10. So there's a possibility I might have still had some like action figures and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And the re- the possibility that these things could come to life and fucking murder you in like loads of different horrible ways, mm. that had never really dawned on me before. They tr- they kind of, if I remember it rightly, it started off as an out and out horror, and then they kind of moved it into like more light entertainmenty sort of horror, like Bride of Chucky and stuff like that with. Yeah, like Jennifer there's Tilly. Another, so. there's, there's also been eight films. Yeah, there's a whole... It's same as The Muppets. Yeah. Coincidence? I mm. think not. Their franchise only that has only reached 334 million, which is still a lot of money a lot. for for like a something like that. But yeah, it's a hundred or so short of the the Muppets. But I think the original plot is there's a serial killer on the loose, and as he's being like hunted down by the by a, like a detective or whatever, and he gets shot and he's dying. He performs like some kind of like voodoo ritual to transfer his soul into like what was I don't know if this was an actual toy that existed a good a good it guy was doll? based on one it right. was based for the the original mastermind for this was the guy called Don Mancini Roberto's brother and it was based <laughs> on a design of the My Buddy dolls right so that, yeah there's that yeah and it was just I remember them like you know there was like all kinds of like horrible it was like strangulation and stabbing and people getting blown up i remember him with a knife quite a lot yeah there was a team of nine puppeteers who would do the stuff but it was just the toy on the screen and then there were people dressed up as chucky to do the different shots when he was moving around and so they they did a combination of effects to make it work yeah and uh, i remember it being really good like like visually it worked you know well it had the desired effect on me because it scared the fucking shit out of me i think we probably get a few nominations from jeff kitchen because i know that there were there was whisperings of some uh some ventriloquist dolls maybe heading our way right and they're a sort of traditionally kind of creepy fucking thing and i i couldn't remember if i'd seen it i'm sure we watched it at school the one with anthony hopkins he there's one where he's dead young and he has a a ventriloquist doll thing but i couldn't i didn't want to nominate him because i couldn't really 
recall it that well and I, I like to stick to stuff that i have seen yeah and some things that i have seen and i've got a little section about like marionette little puppety things mm. so a film that we watched for the pod before you were involved Pete, i don't know if you've seen the film was one called chef John no. Favreau is really, really good. I love it. He plays Carl Casper, and he's had a bit of a stinker. Various things are going wrong in, in his life. He's split up from his wife. He's had a difficult relationship with his son. His career as a chef's just like started off really well, but nosedived. And he has a kind of epiphany as he's watching uh, some street performance of a guy, you know, literal puppet performance and this song playing, and he's sort of questioning what it's all about. So that happens. And then being John Malkovich, you see yes. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Craig Schwartz, played by John Cusack, he is a, an unemployed puppeteer. That's his job in that film. So th- this is a this is a film that gets it gets more reference than brought up in as nominations. Yeah. And I have seen it, and I can't remember a fucking thing about it other than somebody going in a tunnel and coming yeah. out in John Malkovich's Malkovich, head. Malkovich, yeah. I can't remember the the like why or and I did until you just said it there. I didn't realize John Cusack was in it. Yeah, well, he um, he's the one who finds the portal to John Malkovich, and he he works in a he works he goes to work as a filing clerk in a building on the the floor in between the seventh and the eighth, and he meets Catherine Keener, who I've always really had the hots for. It's great, it's really good. I just I just like the film is so fucking weird, and I think about the meeting, the pitch, where someone went to a load of execs and said, "Right, this is what we want to make. This is the plot," and then somehow they it went, "Yeah, me. okay, let's fucking <laughs> do that." And I think, what? <laughs> Well, I've got an actual. I've got a, a ventriloquist dummy portrayal in a film. What I have seen, Toy Story Four. Yeah, yeah. it's Toy Story Four, and it's Benson and 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 his other the villain like, of the piece, yeah. yeah. And I guess it kind of what it does is it is it plays to the the, the sentiments that people have about ventriloquist mm. dummies because, but like he's there as you say the villain of the piece. But at no point actually do they do anything particularly villainous, other than they're they're relentless. They just like keep coming and they're it's like, like the Terminator expressionless. Thing, yeah. yeah, they don't talk. Mm. And but really, when you find out later on what it is they're doing, they're they're trying to fight. They're trying to help Gabby Gabby, who's like a bit of a psychopath, <laughs> find like get a new voice box, if essentially so that she can be loved. So they're not necessarily all bad. I think they're quite misunderstood. But it's As fucking is creepy. That like, film. So a lot of people, I know Howie in particular, I don't know if he's seen it, he refuses to watch it, or he's just like, he doesn't like it because three was was such a good place to stop. Yeah. And they made four. I think four is still a good film. I, still really I really good. like it. And the sequence, or just the whole setting in that, it's an antique shop, isn't it? Yeah. Right? It's like artistically, it's fucking staggering. It is, yeah. It's so fucking well done. It makes it, when you, st- when you stand it up against like Toy Story 1 now, yeah. it makes it makes it look so dated mm. but there's, yeah there's the there's fucking oh my god who's the uh, the, the Canadian like bike stunt guy Duke Kaboom Duke Kaboom yeah. yeah and there's Combat Carl and there's like there's uh, some, Keanu Reeves isn't it it's Duke Kaboom yeah. yeah there's some really good characters that have been introduced I like the the, the Bunny and Ducky guys mm. as well yeah it's, it's a good film but those those like even in that film I was like kind of thinking obviously watching it with the kids I say obviously like I don't watch kids films for myself but I was thinking quite fucking sinister but yeah Benson yeah, okay. I'm going to take it slightly into left field here with a bit of a musical lilt. As you know, lilt. is that when like you sort top, of take it? Tropical tra- yeah, taste, yeah. That's what I'm going to talk about. No, I'm a, as you know, a Kate Bush fan, and I was fortunate enough to get tickets to see her perform when she did a sort of residency at the Hammersmith Apollo. And so, what she did with that show and the second, maybe third part of it, she came out and she did like a load of the hits so that was like all the crowd pleasing stuff great 
Then she did side two of Hands of Love, which is called The Ninth Wave. And it's fucking incredible. Like, I know you're all like on the fence with her, but it, it's really, really amazing. And then after that, she did the second part of an album called Ariel, and that's called A Sea of Honey. And that is all about an artist. And she had her son on stage and doing all this stuff with the artist. You know, that little, like, sort of crude looking doll that they use to to mock up like how someone might look you know it's just, yeah 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 it's, yeah, yeah. it's just quite yep. basic looking and they had that on stage so that sort of puppet was what i thought of when i was right. um doing thinking about puppets and that's a really good album and obviously hands of love like everyone's listening to that these days because of stranger things but that was amazing really really fucking cool so worth checking out if you're into that sort of thing okay i wanted to bring some world records to the party oh nice uh and and i don't we can all do the all find the like world's biggest puppet or most puppets and everything like that but i like to find really like niche ones especially ones that i think that we can beat yeah so i've got four down here that i think that we can beat certainly three i think easily the first one is the longest time balancing a mechanical dancing (laughs) puppet on a pole on your chin whilst lying on your back so this is i watched the footage of this today so this is Are we talking like seconds? Yeah. 15 seconds? You're very close. 16.66 seconds. It's uh, The record is held by Doug McManaman, a Canadian guy. Steve's brother. Yes, <laughs> Steve McManaman's brother. And Doug also holds another record, which is exactly the same record, but with three dancing mechanical puppets on a pole. And that's only 2.13 seconds. And I'm thinking, if you just... Same pole? Same one pole, and then he's just basically got like a a, like a, a fork, a bit of wood, oh, okay. with like, like a, a mechanical dancing puppet on it. But this time he managed to rig up three on it, and only managed two point one seconds. I'm sure if we just did that for like a few hours, you'd get Easy. three seconds next week. Let's do it. So that's definitely a record that again we don't have to do it. I think we've got it. The, <laughs> this one was just so fucking niche. I had to mention it. The most moustached puppeteers eating provolone <laughs> cheese. <laughs> it was just three guys with like fake moustaches on. Two of them are kids with like holding like puppets, but they're eating provolone cheese. It was three of them. So the record is three. We could beat that. We just, the bad dads can do it tomorrow. And finally, and this one is, it's not a funny one, but I think we could definitely beat it because it doesn't seem that many. Most people wearing sock puppets in a single venue. It was achieved by a school in Birmingham in 2019 doesn't seem that impressive but how many 200 628 okay but i reckon just with get, enough yeah just get a enough score, effort like and impetus so that 400 pound budget yeah 50p to everybody that's 800 people exactly we've done it simple so we've achieved three world records tonight my next entry is slightly adapting it this is a puppet this is a shadow puppet and it's a fucking amazing scene from ace ventura 2 (laughs) when they've got like (laughs) there's like a briefing about like who the guys are that are like trying to that are are suspected of stealing shikaka i think is the name of the the white (laughs) yeah and so they've got some, it's a projector with some slides. Yeah. And, and Ace Ventura, first of all, he's just sat there in front of the projector with his massive hairdo. Yeah. But then the guy, the British actor, I can't remember his name, but he's he's up like, you know, trying to be serious. And then he's <laughs> he's getting, yeah. And then his his hand comes up and starts like basically like, trying to like bite the guy's dick in the picture. 
the guy loses it and then well he's and then he stands in front of the screen he's getting really irate and that's when like the, the hands come up and start <laughs> twisting his nipples going to the radio yeah. <laughs> like that and then when he finally get he like draws his jacket across him and then he does like the like the mask over yeah. his eyes he goes hi ho silver away <laughs> yeah shadow puppets it's my only um shadow puppet entry but it's mm. a strong one last of the shadow puppets so friend of the show jim i recently went across to see in the uk he wants to come on the show and do like just hours of talking about his specialist subject which is pinocchio mm. huge huge fan of that movie and so we should definitely mention it it's a 1940 film so in not too long a time that's gonna be a hundred years old fuck it yeah you don't even think i didn't even think about it like that but yeah a hundred years old yeah i had one of the you know those i don't even know what they're called those things you get it's like a like i know what you mean the red thing it's like a box with the wheel and you turn the the thing you get like different discs you yeah, put yeah. in it and you turn the wheel and it was like the 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 scene with moby is it not moby dick it's like the sea monster it's like the whale that yeah. swallows them and it's them in the sea getting yeah. swallowed up by the whale i mean Fucking! How did I manage to eat that out? Uh, like for <laughs> I know. like toys are so much better now. <laughs> Nintendo Switch is way better for the record. But I, I had one of those. It is an absolute classic. We flirted with the idea of reviewing the new one, but well, that yeah, it went. We we put the choices up this week to a vote, and we were spared. Although we'll get into it, the choice between the new Robert Zemeckis adaptation version of Pinocchio that lost out to the Beaver, which we watched. But there's also coming up. There's a Guillermo del Toro version, which I'm sure will be a lot better than the Zemeckis one. Apparently, mm. it's fucking dreadful. The, the, um, which one's the Tom Hanks one? That's the, one? the Zemeckis, the current one. It's on. Right. It went straight to Disney Plus, so we, you could watch it. I'm sure, like it's harmless, but it's just apparently soulless and just shit. So there's that. But this one, it's interesting as well because the 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 bad guys in Pinocchio, there's no real comeuppance for them. They just kind of get away scot free. I can't even remember the story other than the boy tells yeah. lies and eventually, well, the puppet. I, I couldn't even remember like what that was based on. It's because the fairy, the blue fairy that yeah. comes down, he has to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Mm. That's why he has the big nose. Yeah, yeah, which feels very relatable. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a classic, absolutely classic. I don't know if it's one of those ones that it, like if you put it on Disney now, it says reflects attitudes of the time, like it does with Dumbo, because there's all the like racist stereotypes oh like shaming I don't know if that happens in this one but yeah it's very old I mean 1940 I was like thinking fuck that I suppose I did know it was that old but you know when you see it written down in black and white I think Christ yeah it's a long old time ago yeah they fucking animated that shit by hand you know every single frame everything is just meticulous it's really a work of art well quite a removal from from that sort of level of classic in the 80s mm. and and after in the uk on tv we it's like ventriloquists or shows that that had performers with puppets was like the almost like the pinnacle of children's entertainment and yeah. we were subjected to quite a lot of probably pedos like <laughs> keith harris with orville yeah and uh, he and actually Cuddles looked like he looked like a teacher that i had at primary school who went to prison for being a paedophile <laughs> well, there we go so like, that's yeah. proof if ever you yeah if the, if the yeah. shoe fits so yeah there was keith harris who apparently was a total arsehole in real life yeah um, i'd imagine so but yeah. then entertained children with orville the fucking annoying duck i wish i could fly right up to the sky exactly yeah, yeah. even when i think that song went into like the the, the hit like, parade yeah wow yeah, i think it got to number four it was bob carroll g's and spit the dog do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, Spit the Dog. So they had a habit, and there was Rod Hull and Emu, that of, of like, of 
using the puppet as a way to torment people and just be cunts yeah. and get away with it because that was your act. So I remember, was it Parky? And he was just like being a prick all the time and he'd just be, he'd, I'd fucking lose it. So you fuck off. Yeah, he used to like grab your face yeah. with like the... Just humiliate big. you on telly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he famously died. Fell off fixing his area, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was trying to watch Man United, so... Was that what it was? Yeah. They were probably lesson. good then as well, so he really fucked it there. There's a lesson to, to everybody there. Mm. Rainbow as well. Zippy and George mm. were were puppets. Zippy, I only mention this because I've got, like Zippy. I think was like fairly iconic mm. um, when when I was a child. Definitely remember Zippy. There was Bungle who wasn't a puppet. It was just it was like Man, Dan costume. tonight dressed yeah, up in, yeah, a bear, was, in a bear <laughs> outfit. And George was kind of like a let's say a camp pink hippopotamus. Mm, yes. But Zippy, this is fucking an amazing fact. The guy who did the voice of Zippy was the same guy that did the voice of the Daleks in Doctor Who. Wow. And if you think of both their voices in your head... Almost the same, aren't Almost they? the same, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then like on a smaller puppet scale, you had Sooty, Sweep and Sue, like proper yeah. hand puppets. Yeah, I remember Sue's voice being really sexy. Yeah, she was horny. I think it was like the first time in my life I like listened to something and, and started Got getting aroused. a little... Yeah, alert the fuzzy tingle time. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wow, I'm attracted to like a, a hand puppet bear for some reason. But it's probably it a dude's voice. hand as well. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. My, well, we've obviously got Team America, which we watched, and that was very clearly puppets. But you mentioned during that that it was the one of the first time, well, the one of the only ones you could think of, of like an adult-based comedic kind of thing. Well, Peter Jackson did one back in 1989 called Meet the Feebles. It's known as Frogs of War in New Zealand, and it's about a it, it's a black comedy about a they're called the Feeble Variety Hour, and it's they're a theatre troupe. I'll read you the uh, bit of the synopsis to give you a flavour of what it's about. Heidi, a hippopotamus, the star, is insulted by a pornographic director, Trevor, a rat, and complains to her boss and lover, Belch, a walrus, who is actually an in an adulterous relationship with Samantha, a Siamese cat. Meanwhile, Robert, a hedgehog, the newest member of the team, arrives at the theatre and is accosted by a reporter, F.W. Fly, a fly, who tries to corrupt Robert into informing on the cast and meets Arthur, a worm, the show's manager, and immediately falls in love with another newcomer, Lucille, a poodle. And it just goes on and on and on like that. But they're all like hideously grotesque and it's like you know offensive and it's just meant to be in really bad taste and yeah. he also obviously did the film bad taste yeah. and did brain dead and yeah. has done this and i watched all these like it would have been early to mid 90s when i was a teenager yeah. youngish teenager and if you had told me then that that guy would then get the keys to like the lord of the rings yeah. fucking world and then all the beatles back catalog stuff and make all this stuff you'd be like no fucking way this yeah, guy yeah, is yeah, like yeah. super fucking offensive is doing all that stuff like, it just doesn't seem right but yeah. Meet the Feeble it's, it's, it's quite hard to get hold of and see but it is really funny they do a song called Sodomy in it so that you can tell what their subject <laughs> yeah, matter yeah, is, yeah. is about it's yeah, real lowbrow humour but good if you like that sort of thing yeah well for far more highbrow is a um, is a film called The Hand a 1965 Czechoslovakian I film. saw this when I was... Not the film, I saw that in the research. About. Yeah. So what I did is I thought, well, it's only 16 minutes long, so I'll watch it. So I watched it today. And it's really fucking good. It's really, like, endearing, but it's got 
it's got a really powerful message in it. So it's it's done by a Czech guy whose name I'm going to pronounce incorrectly, Yuri Turnka, who apparently only died a few years later. But then it became his this short film, The Hand, which is puppet stop animation. It got banned because it was basically a bit of a a commentary on like communist rule in the in Czechoslovakia at the time. And so what it is, it's this like Harlequin puppet who kind of like lives in this room and he gets up in the morning and, and he sort of like tends to his plants. And then what he does is he basically makes like clay pots all day, but he's like, a, you know, he's quite creative. He's an artist. He's a Harlequin. So he's like quite out there. And then this hand like knocks on the door and event and like, he doesn't let it in, but it comes in through the window. But the hand is like very symbolic, like this, all these kind of, it keeps showing all these, like, you know, all this like, iconography and so on about how that like the hands meant to symbolize freedom but then it shows it in you know like grips uh, you know and so on it's it's meant to be like a bit of a a metaphor for the environment in which like artists or whatever were expected like had to work in like Mm. under like totalitarian communist rule where they were just totally restricted so the hand keeps coming in and turning the clay pots into hands and stuff like that and it's only 16 minutes long. It's definitely worth a fucking watch because it's it's pretty powerful. And then it's widely regarded to be one of the best kind of like short short film, I guess, you know, animation, stop animation films of all time. Cool, I'll check it so out. So it is worth watching. Well, I'm out, so I don't know if you've got any more. I haven't got anything of any significance. I, I wanted to mention Anomalisa again. Of course, Because yeah. I really, really fucking like that film. Yeah, Dan um, missed the mark on Dan that. Hated more than it. More than Michael Bay missed the mark with <laughs> Pearl Harbor. I loved it. I just, it was such a massive surprise yeah. for me. It's the Frigoli syndrome or yeah, something like which that. which I'd never heard of, really. I think, like, really, like concerningly that i could relate to it a little bit i i (laughs) I mentioned it at the time it was like i know this is going to sound terrible and it's not like this isn't misogyny misogyny in any way but i go to you know when people say like oh and so and so's mom at school and i'm like like that could be any one of like 10 20 people that all look look very similar to me sounds absolutely fucking terrible the way i'm saying it but it, it could be dads as well but i tend to i've been to way like loads of parties with, and it's just been all the mums and so on yeah. and I, I can never remember names and so on. no one ever talks to me so it's all their fault because <laughs> they just see me as like the hate figure in the room yeah uh, I bought it on myself the only other thing like a, a sort of a, an honorable mention for Sesame Street because of oh yeah favorites like oscar the grouch and cookie monster and super grover when grover used to turn into super grover i don't think i've ever been happier as a child <laughs> that's still running with 4691 episodes yeah. thus far and the, the the longest running tv show of all time is a german show called sandman like i wrote it down but i can't find it oh yeah sandmanken which is now 22200 episodes in and that is also about puppets. I've never seen it, but okay. it's worth mentioning because it's gone on forever, like I, me with this topic. I did want to shout out to the game, which we watched for a midweek I really liked. And there is the puppet, the clown puppet thing that's left outside his mansion. Have you seen that one? No. Did you, oh, it's good. So his father had killed himself and they leave this puppet, this clown puppet in the same sort of spot where his dad had jumped off the building. It's fucking twisted. And he brings it into the house and it's just like sat there like looking at him and it's, it's, it's got a camera. It's really cool. But right, what are we going to put in? I think we put in two each because that's what I want to do. Okay, because we can. Yeah. Okay, who's going first? You are. So my first pick has got to, it's got to be Muppets Treasure Island. 
I love that film. Well, I think Chucky has to go in. Yeah, that's a good shout. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for The Hand, this 16-minute short film. It's definitely worth a watch. Okay. I'm going to put in Kate Bush's performance that I saw where she did A Sky of Honey, the second disc of a aerial album with the artist Marionette Thing. So there you go. Boom. Like it. And we need nominations. So I put the tweet out this morning and we've had lots of likes, but we're still waiting for Jeff Kitchen to come in with his shout and we need you lot to contribute to complete the list. Please do. So there was some debate about which film we were going to watch. You gave us a choice. And so we gave our wonderful listeners the opportunity to vote. Democracy, as we know, doesn't work. But in this case... It did, and we forego the hideous Pinocchio remake, mm. and we watched the 2011 Jodie Foster-directed Beaver, The Beaver. The Beaver, yeah. Yeah, so Mel Gibson starring as a dude. So I, I, I wasn't aware of the film, actually, at all till you mentioned it, and so I did see what the synopsis was before I saw it. So I had a, a – well, I knew what the plot was. Yeah. And I sort of was quite enthusiastic about watching it on that basis. Yeah. So for me, I think what, what drew me into this, again, I, I was totally unaware of it, but mm. I was looking for something puppety to fit in with the theme. And th- this kind of like cropped up. Yeah. I just saw like Mel Gibson standing there with a, a <laughs> yeah. in a suit with like a beaver hand mm. puppet. And then wondered, I was like... I guess what I uh, what I wondered was is that going to be as shit as it looks? I thought this oh this got like because we've watched Lars right Lars and the Real Girl so right. I was getting Lars sort of vibes because I knew that it was a guy using this as a coping mechanism kind of thing so that's what I knew about the film so that's where when, my mind went. When, uh, I was like you and I read yeah. the brief synopsis of it I thought okay well this could, this could be interesting and then I thought well. If like Jodie Foster's thrown her weight behind it, yeah, both as a director her, she's great, yeah. and as a, as an actress, it's got the oh my god, the girl whose name I've completely Jennifer Lawrence, Je- uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and the the like some some other people, but obviously Mel Boris Gibson. Yeltsin, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the guy, the lad, uh, guy, died. I say lads, yeah, the guy who died, he was the Chekhov in, yeah. in Star Trek, wasn't he? So I thought, okay, well, this has got like a cast yeah. of people that I've, you know, it's it's a it's a kind of like an absurd like concept but with some serious sort of like clout behind it fairly serious clout yes yeah, so, and, and you Mel say Gibson, like obviously you say absurd and we've seen that did you watch lars i haven't but i, so I listened watched, to the episode and i've I know we watched lars premise, and yeah. yeah like even more absurd because it's a sex doll thing and we all fucking like when the four of us that did watch it we fucking loved it, it was like hands down it was just fucking brilliant so hopes were high and I was fucking really pleased when it won well, the Well, but vote. you say absurd. You know there's a guy in Jersey who has exactly that. It's yeah, good. but like, it's st- I don't know absurd. if you talked about it in the episode, but I heard the other day that they're now engaged. Oh, okay. The, the guy and his, his doll are engaged, interestingly. Yeah, I can't remember if we did talk about it, but there's a guy who goes to a pub in Jersey where we The dog and sausage. Yeah. With his sex doll. And for a time, he was barred because he had got a new sex doll, which looks underage. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That's completely that true. fucking crazy. But I think he's now engaged to that. Like, obviously, that one's a little bit older now. But anyway, we, we yeah. digress. So the film... It starts with a montage. 
It does start with a montage. A depression montage. It just yeah. tells you, it just gives you a big exposition dump of where we are with this character's name, which is... Walter Black. Walter Black, and he is depressed. We don't fully know the reason why. I can't remember if it says. It just it just gives you a big thing about all he wants to do is sleep. He's, he's obviously putting yeah. a strain on his relationship. His son... One one of his his youngest son is just withdrawn and isolated. His other son is like copying all or recognizing all his mannerisms so he can not replicate them and just yeah. completely distance himself from his dad. And they obviously have a very strained relationship. And he's CEO of the company that he's sort of inherited from his dad. Yeah, and that's taken a nosedive. Yeah. So everything's like a fucking disaster. Yeah, but it, it kind of it doesn't necessarily spell it out at the beginning. But as as you go through the film, it, it that you find out obviously there's the strained relationship with his next son and he's got quite a son who's like quite a lot younger than him as well but there's that that relationship with his son but that that turns out to be a bit of a a theme in the family where i think the relationship with the father was also quite strained and he as you say is is it shows this montage of his depression and how how it manifests which is like he's manically depressed he he just wants to yeah and the the Towards the end of the montage, he says his wife has done the only thing she can do, and she asks him to like, fuck off. Basically, she says goodbye. I think yeah. is how they word it. So he goes off. He goes on a big drinking binge, um, and we see him in a hotel room. He's trying to pour drink into the characters on the TV that he's watching. He does yeah. that, and then he tries to auto asphyxiate himself. Um, <laughs> his tie on a, cur- <laughs> on a shower curtain, uh, it's, right it's just like collapses on the floor. And so he's he doesn't kill himself, but he's then like walking around the hotel room with this like shower curtain you know it's like the rail that the shower curtain yeah. goes along in the bath and he's got that and, and he goes to the window and he's someone's shouting and then he trips because he's got this thing and it he falls and grabs something and it's the tv I think it's the wire is it for the tv yeah, yeah. and he, he yanks that and the tv falls down on his head and but he's got this beaver puppet that i guess it's a yeah, me- memento of slightly missed yeah. the, a bit where he moves into this hotel yeah. motel whatever it is and he's in the dumpster outside he sees this like beaver hand puppet. And I don't think you see him pick it up or anything. You, you see just... him put it in his bag. You just see him in, right. In okay. Bag. So and then as he's on the ledge and he's about to fling himself off the the balcony with the curtain rail still attached yeah. to him, the beaver just pops up next to him. And is like, what are you doing? Yeah. What what you kind of like? And then as you say, the rest happens in that scene where he, he knocks himself. The, the TV out. falls on his head. Yeah. And then when he comes to this beaver's just like next to him talking. Yeah. And then you kind of quickly realise that it's him controlling it and like doing, doing a voice. kind of cockney but voice. The, the voice over at the beginning is that voice. Because at first I thought, oh, is that Michael Caine yeah. who's the, nar- who's no, the narrator? The but it's Mel Gibson doing his like cockney yeah. voice that then he, like the, the, the puppet adopts. Hmm. So he basically like talks to him, almost gives him a bit of a, a dressing down at first, but he finds himself able to, you know, like able to now start communicating quite freely yeah, and he's using this hand puppet. He writes a note. Yes, he does. It's like it's so almost like a, an introductory card. Because he goes home and his wife's always like, What are you doing here? You know, we've I've asked you to leave. Um and he just he says, Read the note. He hands it. It's like a one of those cards that you might use to study. He's written yeah. a note. And so he's I don't know I guess it's the beaver that's written the note, or is he self aware enough to write the note to say, This is my coping hand puppet he bullshits that it's, he's been to see his therapist yeah, the, and uh, this is what they've... The, it's the, a prescription the, puppet. Yeah, this is the plan. This yeah. is the the process. He keeps referring to it as the process he's got to go through to yeah. to heal. Is to And so she's like, okay, well, fuck, it's weird, but if this is 
what's been what written by a professional yeah. and so this is how it's going to be well before that what she comes home hmm. and she finds her like young well, he's, pick, he's picked up the kid from school hasn't he yeah he's yeah. picked up the kid from school and she's like that doesn't happen and that they've already become estranged albeit you know he's he obviously will still have access to the kids but he's picked up the youngest one from school she comes home to find the youngest ones like all excited because there's something going on in the garage and goes in to the garage and they're like building i think it's like a soapbox car or something like that and this is like all stuff this is like groundbreaking for her because all of a sudden he's now engaging properly with the son (laughs) but she then kind of soon realizes that he's only communicating to both her and the son through this hand puppet that he's got in this bizarre accent that he's made up for it and that's when the the introductory card comes in so i think because you know suspending disbelief for for a moment like you know she's obviously seen his like dramatic deterioration over a number of years and for him to now all of a sudden seem like he's behaving well not behaving normally because he's doing it through a hand puppet but the fact that he's engaging she kind of like thinks okay well i can i'm going to try and get on board with this because at least it might be progressive yeah he's his behavior albeit via a hand puppet is now to all intents and purposes better like yeah. he's engaged with the well certainly with his youngest son his other son's still yeah. like what he comes home and is just like immediately put out because he's they've had this awful awkward dinner with just the two kids and the mum where he's like no i'm glad you finally got rid of him yeah like he needed to go and it's been one day and he's back and yeah. he's fucking raging about that he's like you know, well, one it, day, one day away from him, and he's come out with a fucking hand puppet, and you're like working him with I know, yeah. open arms, which I get. It, like, from, it's a- from the son's perspective, because you know, you, you mentioned it, but like, I'm not. So he's got a load of post its all over yeah. his wall, and they're all the things that he does and that he sees, uh, like all yeah. the things that his dad does that he sees in himself that he's like absolutely desperate. Got to stop doing that. Yeah, and I, I don't know if this is the point at which I want to sort of like introduce the the. There is a level of relatability here for me, right? And I mean, you, you know, i i don't have I don't have a disastrous relationship. Well, with neither my of us dad. have a like super like right. close relationship with our fathers. There, there is there is no. I don't, I don't mind saying here and now that there is no there is no doubt in my mind that my dad has suffered from like a, a, a moderate to serious level of depression for the, all of my life. Anyway, probably my fault. But and so he he's never worn a, a hand puppet or anything like that but what i have done without writing on post-its or whatever is i've been very sort of like aware acutely tuned into his behaviors and so on and done my absolute utmost to not replicate yeah, those same, and, and whenever same. it whenever it it does sometimes and sometimes like you know you, you're genetically wired to be like your parents in some like regards obviously you have like free will and choice and so on but there are some things that you just inherit yeah. and so I have always done my utmost to try not to be or, or not to sh- have the same characteristics as as my dad has in order to not be that same person. And so that was really fucking relatable for me, albeit it, this is an extreme and quite kind of like almost absurd way of it, yeah. of it being portrayed. I, yeah, well, you're saying that now, it like elevates not the film, but certainly like that subject matter because I'm exactly the same like in uh, – yeah, me and my dad have a. I phone. I had to phone him because I needed. He's a taxi driver, right? So I needed to arrange a lift for, for my in-laws. And when I was on the phone, he said, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not like heard from you for fucking ages." And I was thinking, yeah, because the last time you came to my house, I had to fucking kick you out because your behaviour was so fucking bad. 
Uh, why would I want to be part of that? And yeah. his behavior, like, it's only getting worse. Like, he's so fucking unbelievably bad. Like, and yeah, so you see this on the film, and you think, yeah, there's probably, and I think probably parents of a certain, you know, era, it's just different, you know, it's, yeah. you know people's behaviors have changed and people are more aware of like what's good behavior and what's bad. And I don't know, I don't exactly. know why it's like that, but older, it just is. An older just guy. With these, like, you know, it would be seen, like, you know, mental health issues would be seen as weakness. And so you kind of like, you bury them, you don't talk about yeah. them, you don't like communicate at all or very effectively. And so, yeah, this is, that, that's the, the, the message that, that mm. I got from this, albeit it's quite a, you, you're sort of shunted into this like situation without a, a huge amount of, like you say, it's an exposition dump at the beginning. Mm. So you don't really get, I don't think they, they set it up in, in the way it could have like, you could have got a lot more sympathy or, or understanding had that been a little bit kind of like fleshed out. The, son, anyway. the son's got this thing going on, this scam at school where he does everyone's homework for them. Yeah. Um, and he's quite cute about it. And he, you hear him say to some of the kids, well, I'm not just going to fucking write you an A fucking essay when you've been getting D's, you know, we need to incrementally improve you. Yeah. And then that then culminates, he's got a really good reputation for this, for being a creative writer and all this sort of stuff. He's good. He's just very scholarly, I think. But the, uh, the character of um, Jennifer Lawrence, mm. who Nora. at first I was like, that looks like Jennifer Lawrence. But then you realize this is, oh, this film's actually relatively old. And yeah. she's just a fucking child in this, yeah. really. She's the like little Lebowski urban achiever. She's really good at school. She's she's going to be the, what is it, doing the homecoming speech or the whatever it is that they fucking do. Over there. It's a graduation speech. It's right? a graduation speech. So she's been speaking to the whole school and she can't, she's, she's not, he accuses her of being lazy. And she's like, I've fucking got 400 pages to show you. I, I, I may not be able to fucking good at it, but don't fucking tell me I'm lazy. So she just can't get down what she wants to express. It's okay, I'll help you. And, you know, it helps that she's good looking and he wants to cop off with her. And he's obviously socially kind of awkward. But there's something more going on with her that we don't quite un understand at the yeah. get-go, but there's all sorts of fucking shit going on. M meanwhile, Mel Gibson's life is now amazing because he's got a puppet. <laughs> yeah. Him and Jodie Foster have loads of sex, which is initially quite amusing, but then just becomes like annoying. They have a shower sex scene where the, the, the beaver's kind of pressed <laughs> up against the glass. Yeah. You mean the hand puppet? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to qualify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and and he's now, his creative juices, because he runs a, it's a toy company. Yeah. We, did, we didn't really mention that. So his creative juices are now flowing, mm. and he's uh, come up with this, like, like, wood, like a toolkit because like car... off the back of what he's doing with his youngest yeah he creates a yeah like a child's but they're real tools yes yeah it's like, a like wood simplistic carving kit, carpentry kit but it's which... like a beaver themed wood carving kit that that you know it goes to the like the acting CEO. He, he, man, he mansplains it to the yeah. acting ceo <laughs> yeah. because she wouldn't clearly understand what carpentry was unless it was explained to her by a man yeah but all the while whilst well some some elements of his life are, are getting back on track it starts unraveling again with with the family she's become because she, they go out for it's her anniversary they go out for a meal and she's like look one night just leave the beaver at home and we will can it just be you and i he he agrees to to basically not act through the beaver, but he still has it on his hand when they go to the restaurant. And and he he basically it's almost like he, he sat there like visibly shaking, trying to control the beaver. Eventually, it comes out again, and and they have this big ding dong. 
she the next day or whatever it is rings the the psychologist and finds out that actually he's not, yeah. not even been in touch and that this is something that he's just doing himself he's like self-medicating but with, with a beaver. beaver yeah so she kicks oh no sorry she moves out she moves the family out she of, says i've rented a place don't don't come and visit i'm yeah. taking the kids and all we can carry and that's it we're off and yeah fuck you the, the the boy has become romantically involved or infatuated with jennifer lawrence yeah and he he discovers he has discovered that she was a, a very talented graffiti artist a tagger yeah yeah she liked to tag which uh, there's probably some urban dictionary terminology for that is a different but she stopped doing it she got at first it's because she was arrested yeah like it, it was and she get her in loads of trouble and, and she was a hard, she was a good student and everything but it, it turns out that it was he he takes her on a, a date he, he arranges his date and she's like okay yeah pick me up at seven and he takes her out and he makes out that he's got this really elaborate thing that he's he's planned for her and she's like, oh what is it what is it and he takes her out to some back street somewhere and gets out he says what color do you like you know whatever it is and gets out some cans and he starts to spray on the wall and you can't see what it is and she's looking at it sort of horrified look on her face as it she recognizes what he's written and he's written r.i.p brian yeah because her brother has unfortunately died from an overdose mm. and she doesn't react well to this no thing he's trying to encourage her to reconnect with her art and her talents he, he um, believes she has like repressed but he does it in it. such a fucking ham-fisted way. <laughs> like, you know, it was really like he went all in on the, the sentiment there and she just didn't appreciate it. So that's a bit of a fucking, like, clusterfuck. Yeah, at this stage, I think Walter is is started, like, realising that even with the, the, the puppet that's given him this kind of, like, new lease of life, he's he's still struggling and it's not the answer to, to no. all of his it's it's referred to as disassociative identity disorder and that the the, the the beaver is almost like taking over altogether so he does what you know anyone would do in this situation he uh, cuts his arm off yeah he fires up the circular saw and, yeah. and takes the arm off and that's just the ticket to kickstart the relationship with his son because it's his son who finds him the eldest son who, yeah. who has fucking despised him from the get-go and because he's the one who finds his dad in the garage with his arm off which we don't even get to fucking see which is really annoying he's like oh life. i actually love you yeah um they they bond over the shared I don't trauma think he immediately like no, says immediately that he loves him. it is fucking immediate with well, in the in the in the the hospital they certainly yeah which is immediately after so he fucking yeah. cries as soon as he finds him doesn't laugh and then in the <laughs> hospital the mum walks in who like has been you know, put through the ringer by his fucking idiot. Yeah. And sees them hugging and, yay, fucking happy days. Playing devil's advocate here, and just uh, just purely for for the shits and giggles of that, <laughs> this, this is now, because I don't think that the rest of the family have been aware that he's been trying to take his own life. I mean, he didn't really make a great effort at taking his own life. But he's he's been suicidal and he's yeah. attempted suicide or certainly gone, a, you know, quite a long way towards that. And and I guess what it's trying to sort of show is that before that they just thought it was this like that you're just fucking cut off, emotionally switched off, aloof, like you know there's no love or care or concern about us as your family, and they know that it it they suspect it's probably to do with depression, but you know there's no real obvious reason why he would be so depressed. You know, like he's a CEO of a company, yeah. he's got a family that you know why why would he be so fucking suicidal the fact that he's like hacked his own arm off which must be quite an alarming scene to sort of like walk into 
I'm not saying that that I'm not sort of forgiving the film entirely, but it's not just as cut and dried as like oh you know well that's the problem with the film is that they don't they don't drill down into any of these things they don't like give you i agree they don't give you a picture of like someone's mental illness and the impact they they very you know they broad strokes say that well it's hard for jodie foster because she's had to put up with this but they don't like uh, and that's part of the well, I, would, I would say that's part of the problem with it being a, almost like comedic with a beaver, but you have that in Lars and it fucking works in yeah. Lars because it's well written. So, well, I mean, we're basically at the end of the film now. Like, yeah. after that, he, he gets better. We get another montage. A, we get a happy montage. We get a happy montage with a prosthetic arm and, yeah. and you know, Nora and Matey, like, hook up and she reads the speech, but then halfway through doesn't read it out and, and starts basically, like, clears all of that, like, you know, those repressed feelings and... Yeah talks about everything and and you know that that's kind of like her uh, you know i guess like awakening again um they say they, something like he, he says this is walter white or whatever the fuck his name is walter black this is walter black he's her and then he says oh maybe in the future we'll just get a picture and he'll just say this is walter black and you're like fuck off <laughs> and you know you get jodie foster who's like amazing and it's just it's jodie foster just ticking boxes of like things that she does in films and just like broadly recognizable as a performance Mm. mel gibson with this fucking accent which honestly when he was speaking to all the employees of the firm i nearly cringed myself to death it was fucking appalling and then the story itself is just so fucking flimsy and broad strokes and the, to top it off if the score didn't make you want to kill yourself like yeah. i don't know what would it was yeah. fucking unbearable yeah and i just was hating this like if one of the worst things we've watched on the pod genuinely right so <laughs> what i how i felt I, I i watched the whole thing and when i'd finished watching it i thought i felt like i felt completely ripped off yeah i was because, so excited for it and it because was I, garbage. I genuinely thought and so I think that within it, as preposterous as some of it is, I thought like some of the themes they were they you know were worth exploring, were worth you know this. I think that it could be with the same, not necessarily the same cast or or whatever. Certainly not Mel Gibson, but and I think there was a couple of other people that were slated to to play that part. Yeah. Steve Carell, so Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, and I I genuinely think because they would have been able to bring like the the comedy and the despair. Well, that's that was part of the problem is they didn't they didn't no. dive into one or the other. If you had Jim Carrey and made and leaned more into the comedy side of it, yeah. I'd have been there like for the that. Ma- yeah, like the, the mania. But or then... if you'd gone more into the like sadness of it and yeah. like his like suicidal tendencies and made that the crux story. In the yeah. end, it was like neither one nor the other. It was just wishy washy, bland, shy. It was almost like like here, here's basically like a concept, and you have to try and draw out all like the key points and the messages, and then where the film couldn't do it itself it just like fucking like you say ex- exposition dumped them in your face and there was no right subtlety to it it really wasn't a, a helpful exploration of no, mental health it didn't issues teach you and, anything and, or, yeah. or raise any interesting questions or highlight any issues that men because suicide in men is like a fucking like horrendous statistic it didn't really give you anything at all about that or even follow up with anything about Fucking go and speak to someone or get yeah. like fucking help if you like in difficulties. And also the release date was pu- pushed back because Mel Gibson was knocking around his ex-girlfriend at the time. Yeah. So yeah. like he's a piece of shit. And for yeah. so many other reasons, he's a piece of shit. But if you're a fan of aspect ratios, which I know Riggs is, <laughs> yeah. this was Jodie Foster's first time that she had directed in a 2.35-1 aspect ratio. So there is that. There is that. I think the theme... 
the the idea, the concept, and everything. It could have been made into a really fucking, really like good film with a really strong and powerful message, like and Last actually, of the Real Girl. Well, which I haven't seen, but it could should. have really fucking moved you. And as I say, even with like the level of, of absurdity with the with the beaver puppet and everything like that, and even if like you know parking the, the like the performances and, and Gibson and everything like that, like the film itself just didn't fucking do any of that no it was a stinker an yeah. absolute stinker the budget for it was 21 million us what do you reckon uh, flop yeah big time seven mil plus all the marketing costs which probably yeah. cost like 100 mil so fuck them and fuck everyone involved in this piece of shit what <laughs> absolute stinker i thought the beaver was decent yeah but i didn't want to watch that for three hours yeah that's what it felt like no it, it was it was it was a turkey i'm glad i saw it only to know how much things like that shouldn't be made but i still think that there, there there would be hope for the concept in in a and it could be a really fucking strong film but that film exists and it's called lars and the real girl right fire enough we had a little impromptu cheese session there while we were watching the football yeah, we did. We um, yeah, we saw all the goals. It's uh, not in... our usual like subscription level no. of cheese, but it's still excellent. I went for a, a couple of blues mm. amongst a couple of other things that we haven't touched, but the the black sticks blue, is solid, but it's rock, rock four. Yeah, it's it's, it's world class. Yeah, we teamed those up with the toast. Like it's barely it's it's like fifty fifty on the like bread to fruit nut accompaniment that's in there it's mm. really jam-packed and it's exceptional they're regular visitors now yeah. aren't they they're, the thing is that what they've done is set the bar so high i don't think it'd be it would be, be rude of us to, to go under that it, it'd be a substantial dip in quality if we were yeah. to go elsewhere the, the lime chili pickle thing was quite nice so those yeah i went and bought a lime and chili fruit thing to go with the cheese i haven't like a yet. chutney yeah, I opened it and it smells like like a soap, like a molten brown kind of s- like synthetic mm. smell. I didn't really dig that. So Did you slide in, in on my cracker that you We've gave got me? Some other chutneys which are very good. Right. Yeah, because I enjoyed the, all the ones you, you gave me. Piri piri chutney one it was nice but we've got some other cheeses which we'll sample after this we're going to talk about captain scarlet yes and the mr on yeah both of them and this is series one episode one this is like the whole origin story this is the origin story so this obviously i wanted to make the kiddies thing puppety mm. and obviously there's a whole we're, we'll, myriad we're of, right back into 1968 yeah this was released. there's a whole myriad of of potential choices here so this and, is one of the the originals that inspired others do you think well, maybe not even originals. I mean, you, before that, yeah, Bill and... Was it Bill and Ben, the Flowerpot Men? Or yeah, this is Bill, a very different kind of... Super yeah. Mario Nation. Yeah. But there was... Jerry Anderson. There was a few things of this ilk that were of a time, mm. and I don't know which came first, but Thunderbirds, I'm guessing, was... Thunderbirds was first, and this is the same universe, though, as Thunderbirds. Okay. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure Aquamarina, what it was? Stingray. 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 Yeah. So there was Stingray as well. What I remembered, I always favoured Captain Scarlet over Thunderbirds and Stingray. Although Stingray was pretty strong. Wasn't wasn't that bothered about Thunderbirds. Captain Scarlet seemed a little bit like darker and edgier. Fuck yeah. Um, so I remember not liking it as a kid. Yeah. And Cards on the Table watched this today. Yeah. 
the best kids thing we've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I didn't see it. I, I was, was so worried because, like, I thought we were building up to you, like, deriding it, going like, "No, oh, like the fucking like the puppetry." Maybe, shite, the, like, maybe the best thing we watched ever. Period. So. Well, it's only what? you and Pete that's watched it this week as well, so I'm going to have to get in on this because I was going to miss this week altogether, but I've just slid into this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to now yeah. give you my pitch as to why. Yeah, okay. So it starts. Fantastic. Well, but before okay, you do, I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll, I would love to let you run yeah, with yeah. that because But what, what especially excited me about this is that I remembered in my head the origin story and i remember any time captain scarlet came up in conversation which was about once every 15 to 20 years some captain scarlet would get mentioned and i'd say have you seen the origin story like how he became indestructible and, like, and people would say no because it's not often that you no. it's not like there's loads of reruns and so on and i'd seen this and i remembered it exactly how it happened yeah and I was quite proud of myself for remembering it. Yeah. Like the, the absolutely almost every like detail about it. Can't tell you about any other episode, but I knew because obviously like there was Captain Black who was an, a, a Mister on Agent in all of the episodes. We found out how he became, yeah, yeah, yeah. how that all happened. But this origin story about how he became indestructible and why he was such a huge asset mm. for for it's the world was what made me excited about picking this particular app. <laughs> so, and, and after, so after watching it, what I would say is how the fuck is this a kid's program? It's fucking like so dark and sinister and fucking violent. <laughs> yeah. Like how many people die in this first episode? Put just shooting people. <laughs> yeah. Like just so the very up first thing, right. Is you have like a sinister kind of just a camera point of view shot of them going down a dark alley. Yeah. And, someone shoots i think and then captain scarlet just turns and just fucking guns someone down well and someone then, shoots him yeah loads of bullets you you're, you're, yeah, you're you don't know it, it from captain scarlet's yeah. perspective loads of shots yeah doesn't Nothing. get hurt and then just bang like guns yeah. a guy down yeah and then you get a voiceover to say that oh this is the story about like how he he's indestructible or sort of thing and then i kind of forget and even like forgot about them saying that when you go into the story as it is so then we go to they work for a, an organization in the world so we're set it tells you it flashes up with the date we're in 2068 and there's a mars lunar not lunar but a mars spectrum is the organization the world is now has a world president so there's been some sort of ideological change so the world is kind of unified they're they're doing a mars exploration mission and there's this kind of lunar sort of module thing they're going around the planet and they come up over a hill or whatever it is and then they see this thing and it's captain black or <laughs> it's corporal black <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who, who sees the, and it's kind of out of focus and weird looking like, like a si city but, city civilization yeah. sort of thing and they're like oh fuck look at that and they're kind of looking at it and something then sort of looks at them they kind of like oh so like a turret comes yeah. up which Captain Black and the, there's another one. I thought it was Captain Scarlet at first he just but goes, it's not because it's they, like, they've seen us and then like in typical human thing yeah. they just fucking blow it up it's just like right attack so that's the origin stories of why the Mistrons are disgruntled so it seems the, the whole thing just fucking explodes it's massive this huge like proper flames explosion you know and then they just a beam comes down and it reassembles itself and then they do a kind of thing over a PA where it's they called say... It's retrometabolism. 
It's reversing matter. We have discovered the secret of reversing matter, and they so they're able to reanimate themselves, and then they beam. Do they beam this thing? The 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 spectrum craft. Yes, but as I understand it, then it's more hit them first. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, for being well, seen. It's not, it's not Scott. It's Spectrum. It's Captain Sp- Black and a couple of other geezers right. in, in yeah. this like pod. So they open fire. They think that this is a threat. This turret thing comes up. It's just like it, it's just to view them. But they, th- they did you think it. it was a threat? Oh, I don't know. I, like, if you encountered like an alien city, but and what then are you the there big, for? Like, they were just rolling around on Mars, making sure everything was all right, and found this city all of a sudden because the Mistrons have like set up there. I mean, I think nowadays we'd we'd probably be a little try and be a bit more diplomatic or whatever. But yeah, that's what I was back thinking. Back then, yeah. this is like a you know, I mean, this is like a, a potential threat. And how do the you know how do yeah. So go, the mission goes fucking sideways. So how you know mm. that Captain Black has become a baddie is that he gets like quite sort of like bags under his eyes and yeah. a bit of stubble. And I used to, I was always used to say, so when a player had been playing for a different football team and then they signed for Man United, they all like did this. They'd all like shave their heads and grow <laughs> a bit of stubble and they'd have dark circles under their eyes. And it was like that they'd been, you know, turned by the Misterons and they'd, they'd become like all ruthless assholes. Very successful ones, but that's what the Misterons did. We haven't spoken about the voice of the Misterons. This is the voice. This is the voice yeah. of the Misterons. And, and how, would, see them. how, would, they, see the how would they turn somebody? They just, well, beam, they just beam them. Beam a light. Yeah. that. They're that fucking dangerous. You've got to remember that this is, you know, it's puppetry. Yeah. And so the 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 VFX, the visual effects, is essentially they just beam a light, just a fucking torch, you know. Yeah. And then they they do their voiceover, but you never ever see the Mistrons. They're always unseen. They're a foe. And so we we're back to Earth, and we get to see some of the other crew. There's Lieutenant Green or something. He's, yeah, he's like the control white dude. And green. And, and there's all. the old fella who's in charge, kind of like Spotswood. Yeah. Worth, whatever the fuck his name was. He's the one dishing out all the orders. And then we get to see Scarlet and another game. Uh, Mr. Brown. So oh, yeah. straight away, I'm thinking of Steve Buscemi and Reservoir Dogs being yeah. annoyed about me, Mr. Brown. They're, they're going along in the car, and suddenly it goes blue, and you're like, oh, hello. It's the fucking yes, going, it's happening again, you know. So the, the the blue light is on them, the tire blows up and their car goes off the road. And it's fucking really sinister, I thought, for a kid's show. Yeah. And someone just drags Scarlet's like so lifeless both, corpse. Dead. Like the but Scarlet and Brown are dead. Captain Scarlet is dead. Yeah. But then what they can do is they can impersonate people yeah. and and you just well, see they, some it's like the matter legs. thing that they said on Mars, they can yeah. they can recreate Retro metabolise. Yeah. You see some like legs of a of a humanoid mm. person. It's it's basically sc- a scarlet, yeah. just dragging like the dead body out of the way. And then people go and they find Captain Brown's like dead body. And, but Scarlet has has been reanimated by the Misterons. You just see him back at the desk, and they're saying, "Oh, it's congratulations yeah. on surviving! It's it's like a one in a million that you managed to survive. We haven't found the other guy. He's fucked, but you're all right." So then they get the, the world. They basically have to escort the world president. It's sort of high fucking stakes. Well, the, the Misterons' first target is going to be because what they want to do. They basically say to the hum, hum, like like we're gonna the fuck people you of up. Earth, we're now going to fucking torment you guys because you came at us, right? So we're going to go first. First thing is they're going to go for the world president. They kind of like let slip that that's their plan. So now this is like priority number one is look after the world president. Mm. And but they put Scarlet. He's pretty on smooth. That detail. He's pretty smooth. He's not like flustered by this. 
And it, has Rick, Scarlet like, has Scarlet been turned at this stage because he's been reanimated yeah, by the mystery? Been turned and no one knows that. But then he's Brown not the first shows up one again. You suspect because Brown gets him and he takes him. To, we're going to take you back to HQ. We've got this like place with a safe house. We're going to keep you there for three weeks until we do something else. So they go through this security thing. Elaborate, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's a half hour thing. It's like yeah. full on. And it's not like one of those where you get like a 15 minute episode and a second episode. It's like a continuous thing. So they, they go through, it's an x-ray machine to make sure you haven't got anything on you. And the president goes through, he's fine. And then Mr. Brown goes through and the, all the fucking alarms go off. And there's guys like monitoring the x-rays with like guns, just like these big fucking like guns. They're just pointing at him. Like if anything goes south, they're going to gun him down. And he's like, don't worry. And he just throws this thing on the floor and it's ciggies. It's like, I just thought it was so funny to see like a pack of cigarettes in like a kid's program. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, don't worry. It's just my cigarettes in my little you know, metallic <laughs> case. So they're like, okay, you can go through. And then they go down. It's like 15 floors underground to this bunker. And it really, you're getting like serious James Bond, like villain lair vibes. And he just, they just sit down and the president's at the desk and he's got, and he literally is like, oh, I'm just so like impressed with like the level of detail and I feel totally safe. And then there's like a camera looking at him and he's like, oh, that's done well. That's just so we can check on you, make sure everything's all right while you're down here. And he's like, oh, I just feel so secure. And he just goes, uh, Captain Brown, you're right. And he's just like motionless. And he goes, uh, you okay? And he starts smouldering. Smoke just starts like, pouring smoke out. Smoke starts coming out of his like collar. <laughs> ah. And the next thing, boom. The whole fucking building fucking got Detonates. Like, like a fucking proper terrorist thing. Do you know what I mean? And then it cuts to like what would have been, I guess, an advert or something. But it, this is the one thing that did slightly take me out. You know that you, you remember it, I reckon. It goes dun, 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 dun. Yeah. But it's between every fucking sequence. Right, okay. And after 30 minutes, well, after a couple of times, you're like, oh, God. So it does that and it goes through and you're back to like HQ and it's the old guy who's in charge and he's like, this is what really happened, you know, like expositionally. And they've got a camera, and the president just goes behind a like a screen, like a like a metal like screen, a wall, like a wall comes up. Yeah. He's obviously got like a panic button. Yeah. So as soon as he sees him smouldering, he's obviously pressed a button. He disappears behind this wall into like a bunker, <laughs> and this nuclear fucking you device. You see Brown out. just fucking detonate again. They surmise that he might have been like a small package bomb that detonated a larger bomb that was already in the building because mm. it fucking the whole thing goes up. And they're really good the way they do it because obviously it's they thought that through. Yeah, I, kept watch- I was kept looking at it and thinking, "Fuck me," you know, puppet based stuff. This is all models, and the fucking level of detail is like incredible, yeah, really. Yeah. And they fucking blow the whole thing up. So he's he's okay, but now he's like, "Right, well, don't worry, we'll get Captain Scarlet to escort you to the next thing." And then there's been we, we've some Scarlet of the other- wasn't at this. No, which is these two. No, so Scarlet's got him in a in an aircraft. No, it's in a car. But oh, he uh, kidnaps him after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, we're led to believe that Scarlet has also been turned and could be it, the yeah. next one. But he's been reanimated by the Mistrons. Yeah, we, we know we, that. We, we, yeah, we don't. know that, but no one else knows that. And that's a bad thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just stops answering he radio starts ignoring, things. So he, effectively, he's now kidnapping like the, the world president. They've also managed, the Mistrons have also turned somebody else who's flying like a helicopter, which is en route to yeah, yeah, pick yeah. up the world president and, and take him out of that So place. they mobilize the angels. The angels, yeah. Fucking hell, they're horny. Super yeah. hot. How many of them are there? There's, There's like three. three. And I can't remember the names, but I was trying to, I was trying to think, well, I must remember them because I'll talk about them <laughs> later. They're fucking really hot. Like yeah. really hot. How it, are they dressed? Point, 
How are they just all like uniforms, right? Know, proper yeah. like not like slightly or anything, but just you know smart. And they got really fucking cool sunglasses. Actually, I did notice that. So they radio in. <clears throat> There's obviously comms in this car, and he's not answering. So the El Presidente he grabs the like handset thing. Scarlet fucking whacks him and he he like properly cuts him and like <laughs> a kid's him. thing. I'm like, this is mental. He's got a big like cut and blood on his face and then that all kicks off. So they send out a few different crews and we see some like cool craft. There's one at a garage, which is in a lorry and that all kind of like springs open yeah. and, and matey's like following them. And honestly, I, I looked at the clock and it was like five minutes in and I'd completely forgotten any of these were puppets. I was so fucking invested in this. <laughs> they were all like, and do is it one of those you see the strings no, and it's no, not really. It's more kind of like just in in scenarios and posturing rather than you see them like walking along yeah. and stuff. So it's more like they're in vehicles, they're sat in offices. There's conversations going. And if on. they do something with their hand, do you remember they they would they would do and a close up of a hand and it would be someone's hand, hand yeah. going pressing something. So you get you know you, I was so invested in this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, just coming back to the angels, I think it was sort of credited at the time because this is 60 68 you said yeah so at that time like the the positioning of like females mm. in like they're the baddest like they're the bad asses of like the whole of spectrum so they fly these like fucking super cool like jets they get deployed they're like yeah i mean scarlet's obviously a fucking the main dude like we'll, we'll he eventually he, the he does he, he he's nicked a car and they're, they're going off and one of the angels like, right, I can see him on that road. Like, right, take out the fucking bridge, force him to go this way. So he does that, and eventually he ends up in he ends up in an aircraft of some kind. He's like, right, go and fucking shoot him down, but miss. So just attack him, and he just he just keeps plowing on, doesn't he? Yeah, but they go to they're they're in in the car. They go I love the level of detail in their thing. They'll hit the bridge, and that will turn him this yeah, way, and you know, shoot but model. miss. And, and the great. angels like bomb the bridge, so they yeah. have to go the other way, and then they go to this. Bizarre car park. I don't know why they bu- like built this car park. <laughs> it's it's the most like bonkers kind of piece of like architecture you've ever seen. It's a, this corkscrew road mm. that goes all the way up to like what is basically like a, a massive helipad. Yeah. It's like a car park. It, a big I, I always dish, remembered right? it as a car park. Yeah. And so yeah, there's this vehicles can drive up to the top of it, but like aircraft can land on it. But it's fucking absolutely it's kind of like Burj Khalifa it's, it's kind of. It's eight hundred feet in the air because he says that. Right, there we go. Yeah. And it's like taller than anything else in, in the whole vicinity. It's nearly a thousand feet. Yeah. So there's another dude that drives up there just afterwards. By this time they realise that Scarlet's been turned and he's holding the mm. guy hostage. So they sort of they go to like one of the Scarlet's plan is to get this helicopter that's been taken over by the Mistrons bring it in, they're going to put the world president on the helicopter and fuck him off, presumably to the Mistron so they can kill him or whatever. Another guy, one of the other captains or whatever, has followed them in a, in a vehicle. He's got a jetpack yeah. on now. And then this like kind of like dogfight happens at the top. And yeah, they're trying to kill Scarlet or certainly like, you know, take him out of action and rescue the like the world president. Pretty tough to shoot a plane down when there's somebody in the plane, you want to protect one of them and shoot well, the other one. No, no, they're out the plane now. They're, they're out the vehicle now and they're now they're just hanging on to like a structure that's... that's there's kind of like a satellite of- dishy sort of thing going on, on a like a scaffold kind of tower. Right. And they climb out Okay. So it's Scarlet and the president are like hanging into there. They're waiting for the helicopter to come back. But one of the angels... So you've got Matey on the jetpack. He's he's got a, just a pistol. That's all he's got. And Scarlet's shooting at him. And then the angel 
shoots down the helicopter, but it crashes into the structure. Do, do we hear from the uh, president his point of he's view? He's just so calm about the whole thing. Yeah. He never gets flustered. He's yeah, just like I mean, he's hanging in there. Become world president for nothing, you know. But so is, he's probably he, a pretty probably well decorated dude himself. Does yeah, he, he know he's been kidnapped? Yeah, yeah he, he knows it by this. Just, but he's, just, he's playing it cool. I mean, what's he going to do? He, he knew. Pretty... He knew when the when they were radioing the car and, the, and Scarlet fucker whacked him and cut his face open. He knew then. Mm. So yeah, the the helicopter that's been taken over that crashes into this structure and it's it's fucked it's gonna go like you know they're they're dangling and you do get some comedy like puppets like shaking around and stuff yeah but, but jetpack guy comes in and just as the the structure <laughs> collapses oh yeah yeah shoots he shoots scarlet. scarlet and his face goes all <laughs> they, and, and they scarlet all... plummets well yeah he falls he gets shot he gets shot in the face so many people die in this it's fucking yeah. so dark so he gets shot in the face well, he no, shoots he him, sh- and his facial expression, ah. goes, like he's been. But right, and he's you know done. that's like a Thomas Tank engine. You know, they had to swap yeah, his face yeah. over to do that, and they swoop round and, and rescue the president and, and fly him off. And that does look quite primitive, like puppets dangling in the air. You know, <laughs> but I still loved it. And then you come, it comes back, and and they've got Scarlet in a bed, and he's really like stubbly and stuff and someone's like no it's that is definitely someone's positively IDing him saying no that is that is captain scarlet and then you just get this like sweeping like end bit where the leader bloke i can't remember his name but he's like and so he fell 800 feet or 800 meters definitely 800 something and despite that being fatal he's not dead <laughs> he actually says that and he says and the tr- all trace of the mistron have gone from him yeah. and all we've been left with is an indestructible version of captain scarlet yeah. right that, okay that is how he became invincible so that 800 foot drop yeah, kind it, of like not the mistron not the mistron out of him survived it because he said he was a mistron agent mm indestructible which then always used to make me think well fuck captain black's indestructible as well mm. and it never really ever i as far as i'm aware i couldn't recall them ever referring to that but as as a turned but was that leader, all their superpowers because the first guy just blew up that's what the well, mistrons had him, him do. Yeah, that was it. He was just a... But you don't know what Captain well, Black's he, there he if he's got the same he, he superpower. He was destructible. Okay. <laughs> so... Yeah. And yeah, so that was... Okay, sounds absolutely compelling, actually. Mate, it's amazing. Um, Genuinely, I, not even like being funny. No, I'm right. Trying to be like, oh, I, I'm, I loved it. I absolutely fucking loved it. Very, I'm, very tempted I, to catch up with this soon. cautious about... Especially seeing as I hadn't seen this in such a long time, but the the abiding memory of Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons, other than the music, which is fucking cool as well, and Captain like those scenes Scarlet. at the end where there's like you know cartoony kind of like scenes yeah. of him like he's Reaching like drowning out in a swamp, yeah. or there's a shark coming for him, or yeah. like whatever it is. All these like scenarios in which he would then get to imp- get to prove his invincibility. My abiding memory was this origin story. And then after that, he goes and obviously he's he's the biggest asset in the war against the Mistrons, which happens every week. But I don't always like revisiting these things because I think oh, I might get pulled apart, or they might just be actually fucking really shit compared to how. And and I remembered it being even better. Mm-hmm. Well, it's even better than I remembered it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, definitely me, because I, I remember not really enjoying it, but I fucking love this. It's yeah, it's so dark. Good. It is dark as fuck. People are just getting executed and shit, and it is, like you say, a yeah. kid's thing. 
I mean, you can watch this on YouTube. It's like freely available. I mean, with the se- this is season one, episode one. You just put in Captain Scarlet and it pops right up there. So definitely, definitely check this one out. Yeah. Are okay. you going to watch some more side? Yeah. Yeah. It was only on for a year. So I would imagine there's not that many episodes around. So, you know. No. I seem to remember at some point, I've got a different version of the, the sound. I think maybe as it got it evolved a little bit, the soundtrack, like the, the outro music, changed ever so slightly yeah maybe we can talk about how it's entwined in the world of was it stingray and, and thunderbirds and thunderbirds I'm assuming as they're well. all the same universe because definitely don't. this and thunderbirds is i'm not sure about stingray mm. aquamarina she was always yeah, pretty horny as well yeah really hot, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah this was a strong strong recommend for me i'm very glad about that Right, Riggs has got some nominations for us for next week, but I don't, he hasn't communicated them to me just yet, but Wanker. definitely have some. Yeah. I'd imagine possibly there's some murmurings on the group. About oh, Texas shit, yeah. Massacre, but I don't know. Don't know if We're that's talking horror town. Um, are you so, not? Are you? Yeah, not, no, I can't do next week or any week that there's any horror in. Fortunately, horror. I we'll can. See. We will see, but until then, all that remains is to say, Sidey signing out. Dan's gone. Goodbye. Wow, wow, wow.